Now, coming to you live from the news desk at IBGR.news, this is William Eastman bringing you the latest news and information from around the world. You need to go to the website, and the website is IBGR.news. That is IBGR.news. When you get there, let me take you through a few things before we get into today's news stories. Okay. When you get there, um, you can see that we are the number one business talk and news network on the internet. Uh, we didn't add it on there, but it's kind of obvious because you're getting to us on the internet. On the internet now, right below that, you have a navigation bar, and that will take you around the IBGR network. Okay, so if you need to look at anything that we've got, and and what's the difference between the IBGR network and the and the IBGR news team? And the difference is this: uh, IBGR network focuses on insights and tools that you need to start growing exit of business. IBGR.news focuses more on the foundation of that and that is information and so pretty much it's kind of like when we talk about health you are what you eat well as a business owner you are the decision you make based upon the data that you have and so that's what our role in that process to provide the foundation for the network now right below that you'll see our podcast and we have a section of podcasts where each one of these shows these 30 minute shows are recorded so that you can understand why when we went through what we had uh, and today we have five stories out of the 100 feeds that are available to us. Uh, why we picked those stories. All right. Now, if you go down a little bit further, you get down to the editor's note. And what you have here are the four reference times we come to you at, um, at let me see here. We come to you at 8.30 in the morning, Sydney. We come to you at 4 a.m. Uh, in Mumbai. We come to you at 10.30 in the evening at Greenwich and 6.30 here in New York. And then when we come back in 12 hours, it will be 8 o'clock at night in Sydney um, and 4 o'clock in Mumbai and 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. in Greenwich and, of course, 6.30 in the morning here. And so we twice a day, we give you... 100 pieces of information that are relevant to starting, growing, or executing your business. Okay, I'm going to go down, and uh, each one of those segments is a panel. So as you go down, the first one I'm going to hit, and we're going to have to really dig in today because the what's been going on with with uh, Afghanistan is it's really pushing the news off as much as we have as much as we have gone out there and written pretty tight algorithm on what news we want to report. That's simply how it's gone. So we've got a few here that are directly related to what we want to discuss and some that are perhaps just a little bit beyond, but we'll take it. All right, so uh, if you go down to the second panel, you'll see Agile, Design Sprints, Lean Startups, or Design Thinking, which methodology is right for your team. I'm not going to do that one because we've done this in the past, but it's an excellent article. If you're if you're really going to be looking at how do you run an Agile and Lean company, which is a theme that we have at IBGR.network, this is a good story because it talks about these different models and how they integrate together. Now, obviously, if you read this story, if you go ahead and click it yourself, you'll see that this is mostly for larger corporations. But I really think that as a business owner, if you start here, and this is the way that you run the business, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on today, then you're going to have a company that's going to be quicker to market with a better product or service. It's going to better match the need of the customers. The timing is going to be better. And you're going to build the infrastructure uh, to produce that. And it's going to come out a whole lot better uh, than if you didn't use that process. Okay, let's go down another panel. And uh, nothing much here. 
other than Trudeau promises to hike taxes on Canada's big banks, insurance companies. That is certainly going to make a big difference. Right next to that is the difference between an entrepreneur and a startup founder. And that's a story that we did, and it's from Forbes, and it's a story that we did a while back, uh, and so it came out. And that tells you how tight our algorithms are, is that if it can't find a current story, then it's going to look for other stories out there that are older. And it really is a difference because the startup founder has a totally different set of requirements placed upon them than the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is a much broader term, and it's looking at all of the early stages of growth of the company. The startup founder, on the other hand, focuses on just that initial, we come up with the idea, we produce something, we get it to the market, we start selling. Good article for you to read later. All right, uh, next panel, not much there. Next panel down. Uh, let's see here. The Great Reset. Is corporate communism coming to America? Now, that is that is a story that we're going to do, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Now, it sounds political. It is somewhat, but it's really about economics. This story comes from Washington Times, which is a conservative newspaper in the United States. And what it's talking about is this whole movement uh, about the Great Reset. And what I like about it is that I think it spells this out pretty well because they, you know, one of the things you try to do uh, with uh, when you're creating a movement is you try to redefine what your opponents believe and you make them look bad. And then you come up with terminology that sounds innoxious or actually favorable to other people and so that you can kind of sneak this in. So we're going to be talking about three types of capitalism. We're going to be talking about uh, shareholder capitalism, which is the current system. We're going to be talking about state capitalism, which has another term, uh, and um, it starts with an F, and it's known as fascism. And then we have this third one, which is uh, stakeholder capitalism. And what I want to do is I want to talk about really what the difference is. So, all right, so let's go and look at those. So, let me see here. I want to read it rather than going from memory because I absolutely know what the difference is. Okay. So, the paper here, its contention is that that uh, stakeholder capitalism is really communism dressed as social justice capitalism. Now, the reality of that is what they're really relying upon is that nobody understands what the word capitalism really means or what that looks like in terms of a system of government uh, and uh, or government that manages an economic system, probably a better way of saying it. So in shareholder capitalism, the one that we're familiar with is that the owners of the business, not only the people who are running it, but all the people who are shareholders, whether it's a very small company and your relatives own a piece of it, or you're much larger and you've got investors or you actually publicly traded, uh, the situation there is you make decisions in the business based upon what is in the best interest of shareholders. So obviously the focus in the business is kind of a balance between short-term profitability, long-term sustainability. And the sustainability is not a in an ecological sense in terms of, say, green, but it is ecological in terms of uh, the company staying alive for a long period of time. That is what we've known for a number of years, and that when it operates well, it operates better than anything else. Now, the next one, the state, what they call state capitalism, and they're claiming that that's really the, the form of economic system being run by China. And I guess you could say that, but by putting state capitalism together, you really create an oxymoronic term. Those two don't go together. 
when you look at the true definition, if you go, if you look at this as an economist and you look at the true definition, state communism uh, or capitalism, excuse me, <laughs> that's a slip, a Freudian slip, that uh, state capitalism is really nothing more than crony capitalism is nothing more than what you have in a fascist system where the government recognizes it can't really run anything efficiently. So instead of running it, it decides it's just going to regulate it to death. And then, therefore, the government has all this power that it can use over businesses. And if you look at it, we, you know, we've had several versions of that uh, hit the world here over the last 100 years. It's basically how Mussolini ran Italy. It's how Franco ran uh, Spain. And to some degree, it's how Hitler ran Germany. You know, in, in Germany, the Germans had an interesting mix of fascism and socialism, which, by the way, is not far away from what we see going on in China. The idea that the, uh, that the Chinese government, or in this particular case, the CCP, is actually a communist organization, I think is, uh, is a stretch. Uh, they're much closer to national socialism. Now we got the stakeholder issue, and the idea here is that we're going to get this marriage of unions, big government, and uh, big business all together. And then when you make business decisions, the needs of the shareholders are just going to be a lot less than than they are. They're not as critical. They're not as primary. And it's going to be across the board. So I'm going to be worried about the local community. I'm going to be working about this social group, that social group. Now, I'm not saying that in a capitalist system that you don't do that. But you do that after the fact. In other words, your goal in a company is to make profit. Now, once you have profit, you have the ability to do whatever it is that the shareholders decide to do with that money. And what they're saying is, oh, no, no, that needs to be baked into how the company is run. Well, rest assured that the company isn't going to run well for that. So that's that article. And I thought it was uh, worth talking about, so we brought it up. Now, the next one we're looking for, by the way, we've got to go down and we've got to talk about receive the newsletter and subscription before we go any further. And so when you see receive the newsletter, go ahead and subscribe. And that will, what you'll do is you put in your email address. And then in return for that, twice a day, you will receive in your inbox a newsletter or a message from us saying, hey, we got some stuff in there. Then it'll be three or four stories with graphics. You can read them right there, or you can say, hey, for more, you click it, you're back here. Uh, we'll do nothing else with your email address except uh, this, because what we want you to do, because we've invested heavily in the news bureau, is we want you to get the newspaper. Okay. Now, what we're doing here is we're going down to a very tongue-in-cheek story, but not really, and it's Australian, because right now, you know, when we do the uh, 6.30 evening broadcast, 6.30 uh, based on New York time, it's really 8.30 in the morning in Sydney, Australia. And so we try to focus on um, the Australian, New Zealand, Filipino, uh, Singaporean, and Taiwan markets, and India, the Indian subcontinent, and not Europe or the United States or Africa. But So we came across this Australian story uh, that I think you, you probably will find comical if you don't live there. So what you need to do is you need to go, after the newsletter, go down one, two, three panels. And this is an interesting story. And it's probably a story of we've had enough. So what this is, this is a, uh, it starts off, it's from The Guardian. And so it's, a, it's the Brits reporting on it. And of course, um, they, you know, they're expressing how much or how much they don't support what's going on here because of, you know, basically the way that they're defining it. And so here's, here's what they're saying. Rogue truckies vote 
vowed to block every major highway into every state during the radical anti-lockdown strike as they urge Aussies to stock up on groceries. Okay, so let me read a little bit about this, and I, you know, I think what what this reflects it's what's happening around the world on the whole COVID thing. Rogue truck drivers are reportedly plotting to shut down major highways across Australia to protest against the COVID lockdowns. One driver has issued a warning in a video circulating online that truck drivers are planning to shut down the country to remove the blank government, which rhymes with hit. He said supply chains will soon be interrupted and urged Aussies to stock up on groceries and get them through uh, in order to get them through the next couple of weeks. Now, this is supposedly going to happen at 8, 9 a.m. Tuesday, August 31st. Now, I don't know whether that's Sydney time or Perth time, but that's what they're talking about. Now, think about what this is. I, I'm not going to comment on whether it's the right thing or wrong thing to do. Um, it depends upon, I guess, where you live in Australia, how you feel about it, or you drive a truck. But what it's really saying to you is after a year and a half Everybody is fed up with how governments are responding to the COVID-19 issue. Uh, in the early stages, everybody went with, went with the flow. Now, remember what was said. What was said is, let's lock down for 15 days, maybe a month, because this thing seems to have about a 15-day incubation cycle. So if we shut down for two, two cycles, we could pretty much kill it off. And that the goal behind that was not to eliminate the COVID-19 flu because it wasn't going to be possible. The idea was to bend the curve down so that hospital facilities, medical facilities, etc. were not overwhelmed. Well, in the United States, that was April of last year. Since July, when we had enough statistical base, we came to realize that of the people who, if you look at the entire population of a country, the people who get COVID, who uh, who uh, recover, is 99.7%. And now it's got it's inched up a little bit. Now it's 99.8%. In other words, only two percent, two tenths, one percent of individuals who contacted die. Now, if you're the one with it, or it's a loved one of yours, well, obviously this is a pretty terrible thing that just happened. But what the issue is is when you look at the data, and then you look at the government's reaction. You don't have to be a social scientist or a statistician to go, wait a minute, we are in fact destroying lives by attempting to do something for everybody when in fact all we need really need to do is to focus on the two or three, the point two or three percent, not two or three percent, the point two or three percent of people out there who in fact are at risk. And we know what the risk factors are. There are 10 uh, uh, comorbidity uh, uh, health issues that you can identify, and depending upon where you are. And then when they announced the uh, vaccine, when the vaccine was announced, oh, that was it. And again, I'm speaking for now how it was presented in the United States, but the vaccine comes out, you know, 2021, we're gonna be clear of the disease or the flu. And now where are we today? Where are we today? And so what these guys are going, okay, I didn't give the government that authority to do that to me, and now I'm going to go, no. And I think you see that's going on. I mean, I would hate to live in New Zealand. They had one confirmed case, not death, not death now, one confirmed case of COVID, and they have shut down the entire country of New Zealand. 
You know, if you're a business owner and you've sunk everything you got into your company, good luck with trying to, to run a company like that. And how are you going to get your money back? How are you going to get back all the sweat equity that you put into it? So um, you can have your own opinion of the truckies, but I completely understand the frustration levels that they see. All right, now we're going to go down and we're going to actually have to go a couple screens down. So if you want to just follow along with me, you can. But we're going to go down. You're going to see uh, load 69. That means uh, 69 bore. And then you're going to see another one that says load 53. And where I'm going on this is building an agile and innovative organization. So I'll give you a cue of what it looks like. As I'm going down, these are the 100 hottest, hottest startups in Europe. Pretty good article. And um, uh, let me see here. It's going to take me a while to get to it because it's that far down. That's one of the challenges when you've got 100 data sources. On the one hand, it's pretty cool because you could really cover it. On the other hand, it's like, find it. Now, this one is on the right-hand side, and it's a bunch of lights with some circuitry. And so it says, building an agile and innovative organization on the right. On the left, it's a chart that says why Friday could see a huge move in treasuries, okay? We're not going to talk about the move in treasuries uh, simply because too complicated a conversation to have on radio. So building an agile and innovative organization. Let's pick up on where we left off on the last one, okay? Now, this is coming from the perspective of CEOs and large companies, but I think it's worth for you small business owners to understand this. All right, so I'm going to lead off. And by the way, this is Vima, and they are a hype innovation company. I have not heard of them, so this is more of a commentary than it is a news story. So according to McKinsey Research, 96% of executives have made innovation a strategic priority. Okay, makes sense. I mean, if you're CEO of a big company, you don't say this, you're probably not CEO for very long. Yet only 6% are satisfied with their innovative performance. And so look at that gap. 96% have proclaimed to God in the world that, um, that they are pro-innovation and the company needs it to grow, and yet only 6% are satisfied with the performance of innovation. So that's a 90% gap. And that's a huge discrepancy between these figures, and obviously part of that comes from innovation being, it's just being hard. Now, in a large corporation, we understand bureaucratic inertia, However, they got the resources, they got R&D, they got all that. Now, in a small business, you don't have any bureaucratic inertia except you and whether or not you're willing to do this. But I think really the story is, is that it's easier for those of us who are in the smaller businesses to do this. So let's talk about what, this, what they claim is going to get it done. Now, this relates to the earlier story when I talked about how to look at maybe a process for doing it. This is going to look at key pieces or, or functions. So number one is an absolute obsession on customers. All right. In fact, the article has this to find out fairly well. So number one is an obsession on customers. And what that obsession is about is getting to know them in such a way that you can truly understand how they're going to use your products and services. Not only use the ones that you currently have, but also you get the understanding of what you need if, in fact, you're going to be innovative on something new or you're going to be innovative on an existing product or service to make it work for them, number one. Number two is singularly focused teams. Now, what happens in a larger organization, which it might be a little bit more challenging for you in the smaller business, is that they'll put together a project team, an agile team, that is going to focus on this particular problem. And basically they have very little of other responsibilities or in terms of projects go, this is the only one they're working on. 
So what you're really doing here is you're bringing all this talent and concentrating that talent on a, a particular issue. Number three is that the organization is much more of a network type organization and it's loosely uh, loosely put together. Now what that means basically in, in layman terms is that a highly centralized organization would find innovation exceedingly difficult. It doesn't lend itself to that very well. But companies that are decentralized and fairly loose where each group of people, each department kind of run in their own shop and as long as they kind of do a few things together then they are in pretty good shape. That's the type of organization that you need. And then there is, and then the groups, and this says high talent density. That just means that you've got some pretty bright people on those particular teams. So it's a pretty good article, and it's not anywhere beyond what any small business owner can do, because in fact, you know, if, we, if you look at it, we have talked about, we've run a number of shows on IBGR.network on this particular issue. Right, in terms of how do I build an agile and lean organization. In fact, we did a series of um, shows on the top of, topic of agile. Here. All right, so we have time for one more story. So what I'm going to do, if you want to stay with me, I'll scroll you down. If you don't, I'll tell you where we're at, is that India, this is a great story here. So we're going to go down one panel, two panels, da -da 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 -da, three panels, Three panels on the right-hand side. India overtakes U.S. to become the second most sought-after manufacturing destination. And so what has occurred here is actually what the world has probably needed, and that is for some other nation besides the United States or China to take the lead in manufacturing. So this is Business Today in India, businesstoday.in. And here's the story, and I'll read a little bit of it, and we'll talk about it. India has been ranked as the second most sought-after manufacturing destination in the world. It is second only to China and has surpassed the U.S. to bag the second ranking. However, India has slipped the rank in the cost scenario and was overtaken by Indonesia. Now, understand, uh, let's just take that uh, paragraph or that sent those two sentences apart, is that you you don't want to win the battle of lowest wages. All right? Now, you do want to win the battle of, of perhaps lowest cost or on the lowest lower end of cost. But as India's GDP is going up, as uh, salaries and, and wages are going up, is that they're not going to win this race. This race is going to be won by Indonesia or Vietnam or, I don't know, Miramar. Somebody's going to win that race. India is not really interested in doing that. And I don't, I don't think that any country really should be interested in that part of it other than quality at cost would be the way to look at it. All right, so this comes from the Cushman Wakefield 2021 Global Manufacturing Risk Index, okay? And it stated that India could benefit from relocations from China to other parts of Asia as it already has an established base in pharmaceuticals, chemicals, and engineering. And of course, what it doesn't talk about here is in technology. Sectors that continue to be the focus of U.S.-China trade tensions. Uh, so, for example, India could easily take over for mainland China on chips. And we got a number of U.S. car manufacturers who can't produce any cars, can't get them out. They're sitting, they're sitting at Dearborn or they're sitting in um, Hamtramck or Detroit. Um, and no, they, they can't ship, or Bremerton in Ontario, they can't, they can't ship them. 
The reason they can't ship them because they can't get any chips to do some basic, to do some of the basic work that chips do now in automobiles. It's almost impossible to have a car that doesn't have a ton of chips in it. And so, why is that happening? Because of the supply chain. And of course, now if you look at it, India would be well advised to take a look at uh, Taiwan to say what industries does Taiwan have that potentially we can get in the business of because I can assure you that with, given what's happened in Afghanistan, it more than likely Taiwan is not in a, situated in a great position, okay? All right, so I was going to do one more on Australia and hydrogen, but I think we're there. And so here's where we're at. So you listen to IBGR.news. That's IBGR.news. That's our website. Uh, what we do is well, twice a day we provide you, the listener, with business news that is related to starting, growing, or exiting a business. We do that. Uh, we do that twice every 24 hours, and uh, we you know, it's coupled with our partner company, and that's Startup Radio or StartupRad.io. And that when you go there and or come to us for those guys, uh, they have the first half hour of every radio show. And what they do is they're talking about the tech startup scene in Europe. Heavy bias to Germany because they're out of Frankfurt, but they're talking about that whole part of the world, okay? And so what they do is they're very specific to that type of industry. And what we do in the second 30 minutes is that we talk about more general news. Now, when we started off and we started doing this, uh, I don't know, three months ago, we were thinking that we were going to be doing hot current news that you needed immediately. And it became obvious that 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 just isn't going to be the case. And so what we're doing is we're doing the market research for you to say, here are the trends that are out there. Here are the things going on. Now, what shocked me is today, I didn't have a single fintech story, uh, fintech financial technology, because every day, I get you know five, ten stories out of Africa on fintech. All right, so we didn't have any of those. But what is going on here is we begin to see a pattern that is happening in the marketplace, and we're passing that on to you. Sometimes it'll be like I need to decide on that right now. But most of this is what is the implications long term for your business. And when I say long term, I'm talking three months, six months, nine months, at most twelve months. All right, we appreciate you listening. And hang around in 11 hours. So Startup Radio will be doing their news about tech startups in Europe. In 11 and a half hours, we'll be back doing the news around the world. And we'll be focused on the African, Middle Eastern, European, uh, United Kingdom, and North American markets. So this is William Eastman at the News Desk. I greatly appreciate you listening. Have a great day. And go nowhere because you know, we're starting the broadcast day in Sydney, Australia. And today is, those of you in New York, it's Wednesday, but in Australia it's Thursday, and it's People Day. Take care.